Hi, this is Dr. C in the D, and today I'm with my awesome PA and friend, Alexa. And Alexa, we're going to talk about the trends we're seeing in our offices. And uh-huh. I- I'm just so amazed that we are seeing certain things that, I don't know about you, but it- it's-, it's much more common, and I just thought we would want to share it with our listeners because they may be in the same category. So um, one of the things I'm seeing, and I don't know about you, is the huge age range of people who are coming to seek fertility care. How about you? Definitely, definitely agree. So, you know, typical average age 36, definitely more recently, just such a wide range from younger patients, whether they're, you know, having trouble at a younger age, or just interested in fertility preservation and family planning, and also going the opposite way too, you know, a lot more patients in the 45 and plus range. So yeah, I agree 100%. There is seems to be definitely a wider range in terms of the age groups of patients we're seeing. Um, What's, all the across the board. What's the youngest you've seen so 19. far? 19. Okay, you beat me. Mine was 21. And yeah. I and, Nineteen, and, yep. and she'd been probably trying for a year, right? Uh, over a See? year. I was like, my okay, yeah, yeah. But nineteen was my youngest, and I think my oldest was uh, recently fifty-one. Yep, I, I had a fifty-two-year-old. Yeah. So, so here's the take I have on this, Alexa. Is is actually what's really cool is that when I see nineteen, twenty-one through fifty, people are being educated. So what yes. I'm thinking and perceiving from this is that people are talking. And the people are curious about their fertility potential. They're interested in their fertility potential. They're talking to each other. Social media, I think, is a good thing about this because everyone's uh, talking to everyone else. And I think people are a little less afraid of seeing us, don't you think? I do. I do. I think that that's probably a huge reason is it's getting a little more vocal, a little more open. Definitely social media is probably helping with that. Um, People are talking to each other more, friends, family. I mean, it's amazing when, you know, you have a patient like, well, I I mentioned it and half my family did fertility. I mean, they don't even know um, that they have family members that are going through things. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think that the communication, you know, the openness about it is bringing the patients in, you know, whether they're younger or older, a little bit more people aren't as as nervous or, you know, even embarrassed. Yeah. And I think that for all of you listening, keep doing it. I mean, we're just so proud of you that you're helping us make fertility not so scary. And, you know, fertility affects one in eight couples, 15% of the population, less than 10% of people seek fertility care and treatment. But I'm hoping when we see this trend that that's going to change. And and so let's talk about the spectrum. Um, I'm seeing people who are coming in in their 20s who are either trying to get pregnant or I'm seeing them come in to say, hey, you know what, I'm not quite ready to have a baby, but I'm just looking for my fertility potential. Uh, so so what is that like when, when patients come to see us to quote unquote, assess their fertility potential? Um, can you let the listeners know what we're actually doing? Yeah. So when a patient comes in, um, maybe not actively trying, possibly don't even have a partner at the time. They're just kind of curious. And a lot of times, like we were talking about, just from education, things out there, like, Hmm, maybe I should check into this, see where I stand. So we can give them some pretty good concrete information through some blood work and ultrasound to give them an idea of their ovarian reserve. So, you know, labs like anti-malarian hormone, FSH, estrogen, 
an antral follicle count from ultrasound, we're usually able to give them, you know, a pretty good idea of where they stand for their age in terms of reserve. So, you know, there's not a, a blood test for quality. Obviously, we know quality information that we share with the patients, but we can give them an idea of, okay, at 21, you know, are you average? Are you above you below? There's obviously a range variation for all women, but it definitely can be informative if they're kind of like, okay, you know, whether they're in a relationship and should we be trying now? Do we have five years to wait? Do we have 10 years? And then what's kind of cool is, you know, for those who are or are not in the really, there are options. So there's, you know, the egg freezing, or I'm even having some patients, I don't know about you, Dr. K, but that are like, you know, we're going to freeze some embryos, you know, married couples that are like, whether they're in school still, you know, definitely um, med school, you know, we want to get through this, we want to maybe vacation, do things for a few years, we don't really want to have kids for like seven years. So, you know, there's options to kind of prepare for that. And more and more people are definitely educated on it. So I don't know if you're seeing that same thing, but Mm -hmm. I have more of that. And that's really, really awesome. Because since since I've been doing this, so I said, gosh, I wish there was, you know, more education, more people being aware that that stuff exists because, you know, that's one of the first thing people, when they come in for that are like, gosh, I wish I knew that I had mm-hmm. this option. This, exactly. this is something I can do. And, and just so you know, the definition of infertility is a year of trying if you're under 35, six months, if you're over 35. So you take that couple who are in school or they're trying to climb the corporate ladder and they're 27, 28, and they don't want kids till you know, five, six, seven years from now, well, guess what? Now they're in that age group where it's decreased ovarian reserve mm-hmm. and it's fertility issues. So, so that's why they're thinking ahead of the game when you said about creating embryos so that they have them when that embryo is 28 years old, it'll always be 28. And now they can unfreeze that embryo when they're 33, 36, 39, they've got a 28 year old embryo. Uh, you mentioned hormones. So FSH is follicle stimulating hormone. It's a hormone produced in in the brain. And and ideally we like that number less than 10. If it's less than 10, that means you have young ovaries. Over 10, the ovaries are starting to get tired. AMH is anti-malarian hormone. You want that number greater than one, less than one means there's less eggs to work with. So when we do this ovarian reserve evaluation, we're looking at those values plus the ultrasound and antral follicle count or little cysts on the ovaries that hopefully could give us an egg. So we put that together along with your medical history and your age to kind of give you an idea of what your fertility is doing. So if you are having good test results, then you may be fine and may want to not test for another year. But if we see something suspicious, meaning that those ovaries are a little older than anyone predicted, then Alexa and I and, and Emily will have, and Dr. Boudries, who's part of our team, will have a consult with you about what does it mean? Does it mean you can wait? Should we you know, get on the stick to freeze eggs or make embryos earlier than what you anticipated? So that's where getting an assessment of what your fertility potential is, is so important. But you know, egg freezing, you mentioned egg freezing. I am really excited about all of these women who are either in their educational stages or they just haven't found Mr. and Ms. Amazing. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you know what? I am not settling for Mr. Sperm Donor or Ms. Partner that's kind of okay. I'm going to wait for just the right person, but I know my fertility potential is not going to be there forever. So um, let's talk about egg freezing a little bit and and like who are the categories? How does it work? You know, what do they expect? Does it guarantee a baby? So, you know, 
I see a range of people, um, a little mix of both, like you said, whether they're in school and they want to be proactive with egg freezing, whether they, you know, maybe have a boyfriend, but they're not super serious yet. So, you know, women are getting more educated and kind of planning ahead. The process, you know, generally to freeze eggs, you know, it's similar to the IVF process up into the point that the eggs come out. So, you know, we'll, we'll do our workup, get a really specific dose and plan for you from Dr. Kowalczyk. And then, you know, we'll stimulate the ovaries to try to get a good healthy number of eggs, which once we retrieve those, those would be frozen, you know, for future use. Um, Like the embryos, when they're frozen, they, they, do not age. So um, the frozen eggs, you know, there are guidelines on the amount, you know, certainly over 35, the number gets a lot higher. So I think, gosh, the last time we tried, what was it? 20, 25 eggs mm-hmm. for over 35? Under 35, it's, it's 12 to 15. 12 to 15. So yep. people sometimes are confused by that. Like, why do I need 25 eggs, you know, for a baby? Well, and this is for, I think, a 70, 70%, 80%, 80% chance of a singleton live birth. Um, well, eggs, just like regular IVF, don't necessarily equal embryos. So, you know, when they're thawed, do they survive the thaw? Do they fertilize? Do they then produce, you know, an embryo that develops properly? So there is a there is a trickle down effect. And from the women who've done it, you know, and the data, that's kind of where the, the numbers are. So, you know, that's where if people are kind of on the fence and, you know, they're thinking about it, they're considering it. It's It's not a bad idea to get in sooner than later just to see where you stand because, within that three, four, five years, that reserve can change um, a lot more than people expect, I think, sometimes, um, where, you know, they may get a lot less than they they could have mm-hmm. four or five years ago. And I, th- I think leading into this um, kind of ties into what we were talking about, um, is the family planning, you know, like, how many kids do you want in mm-hmm. a perfect world? Because we are, we're pretty good about asking that, you know, I want one child for sure, Max, that's it, versus I want three babies, that also kind of changes the outlook and the plan on, you know, being maybe proactive sooner than later, because you might get pregnant with one, the first baby just fine, but you might be back for your next one and you're 37. Exactly. And then we're in a different scenario. Exactly. So. so, so that you hit two really good points. So again, you know, under age 35, it's 12, you should probably try to get 12 to 15 eggs frozen for an 80% chance of one baby. Uh, and then over 35, it's like 25 to 30 eggs. And then over 50, uh, excuse me, over 40, it's 50 eggs. Mm-hmm. Well, you're never going to get 50 eggs frozen when you're over 40. So that's why the ideal time to freeze eggs is the uh, younger, the better. And the thing to remember is it doesn't guarantee pregnancy. Um, eggs are more fragile than embryos. So about 30% of eggs will not survive the thaw. So along with the egg freezing, say you want one baby then, and we get 18 eggs from you, you might be good. But if you want three kids, then you might want to have to go through multiple IVF cycles to collect, uh, you know, somewhere around 30 or so eggs in order to have enough uh, accounting for that attrition rate to be able to get that, that those babies. Family planning is huge because, you know, if I've got someone who's 35 years old and they say they want one baby, then I'm not going to do IVF right away on them. I'm going to try less aggressive options. But if they're 35 years old and they say they want four kids, then IVF is part of the conversation. Why? Is because the eggs are older 
and they get older yearly. So let's go there. I get you pregnant at 35 with your Clomid. You deliver at 36. You're going to want to breastfeed for a year or two. Now you're back at 37. Your eggs are 38. You're that much older. And that maybe gets you baby number two. You do the same process again. Now you're 42 with baby number three. It's going to be really hard to get you pregnant with your own eggs that way. So, you know, when Alexa and Emily and Dr. Budrus and I talk about this, um, you know, we need to, if you want four kids, IVF might be, yes, aggressive, but in the long term, it might be exactly what you need because we'd have embryos for now and embryos for later that'll always be the age that you initially did IVF. So um, that's just something to keep in mind is, is, you know, know that when you're with someone or even thinking on your own, you know, what kind of fertility plan and family plan are you really looking for? Because that's what we're going to ask you. And that's how we're going to help personalize your treatment uh, at that point. So, so that's really good, Alexa. I think that's really helpful and important information. And then here's the other thing. I, 40 is the new 28, right? Yes, it is. 50 is the new yes, 35. <laughs> uh, 60 is the new 42. And, you know, none of us look our age. And, uh, you know, I don't know what it is. It's good health, good genes, good, you know, taking care of ourselves. But I'm getting, and, you know, a lot of 45 plus women who are coming to us saying they want a baby. And a lot of them, they're with younger men. You go, girl. Mm-hmm. Um, at least 10, 15 or more years younger. I love seeing that. Um, but, you know, I see older dads too. I see guys in their 50s and their 60s. I think our oldest dad is 70. So, you know, they don't look at their age. They're, they're taking care of themselves. They're active. They're climbing mountains. They're, they're doing marathons. And, and, and they look at us and say, well, what do you mean I can't have a baby? Yeah. So, so what do we tell them uh, out there? Well, I think you're hundred percent right. You know, it's hard, um, especially because although getting better, the education is not fabulous and by no means perfect about fertility. Um, a lot of people really don't know. So yeah, you know, they're 40 something, but like they feel better than they did at 20 and they look fabulous. And they're like, you know, they walk in and like, I'm on vitamins. I exercise. I do all this. I'm like, that's wonderful. That's mm-hmm. great for your health. But unfortunately, although yes, there, you know, that is helpful for the quality of your eggs. Um, there's a lot of underlying factors that we do not have control over. So, you know, the aging of the eggs in terms of the amount and the quality, you know, that's always declining from birth and it goes faster after 35 and then faster at 36, 37, 38. So I tend to really like to pull out the chart um, with the genetic data on it to say, this is the kind of the overall picture of when we check embryos in these age groups, you know, half are okay at 35, look at 38, you know, 70% are abnormal, almost 90 at 39. So I show that a lot to put it into perspective, because it's really hard to grasp, Mm -hmm. I think when you feel and look really good. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, when you're getting into that, especially 45 and over, um, yeah, you know, we're getting into the egg, the egg donor conversation, which is a great option. You know, we have a lot of awesome success stories from that. But just statistically, what's available, and and the quality there, the odds are just very unlikely that we're going to get a successful pregnancy. I think you may come across this too, Dr. K. Sometimes, you know, we'll do that workup. And yeah, sometimes you get a 40 something year old and their AMH looks like that of a 30 year old, but I still have to remind them that's not the quality. So they may go through IVF and end up 
most likely often with, with no normal embryos, mm -hmm. even though they have more eggs to work with, that quality piece is still there. Mm -hmm. Even if your reserve is, is better typically in that age group. Exactly. And what's, what's with men versus women. I mean, men are constantly making a new mix of sperm every 72 days. So that's why Michael Douglas at whatever old he was, mm -hmm. got Catherine Zeta pregnant 25, 30 years younger. We women, we have all of our, the, the highest number of our eggs, about six to seven million are in our ovaries when we're still in our moms and before delivery. When we're born, that number goes to about one to two million. At puberty, it's about 250, 300,000. That's how they calculated menopause. And so, you know, we have a finite number of eggs that are available to be fertilizable. And every month there's a separate, co a different cohort of eggs in different stages. And really only one makes it uh, to the line of being able to be fertilized. So we have to remember that even though we are doing everything we can to keep our general health optimal, the eggs are a finite number and it is what it is. Uh, so we have to kind of remember that. And, you know, the oldest patient we ever got pregnant in our practice was 43, 44. Uh, so is it possible? Yes. We all know that 46-year-old who had, you know, GI upset and found out they're pregnant, but the numbers are extremely, extremely low. So what we'll do is we'll do a workup, we'll do evaluation, and even if the hormones look good, the only way to know the quality of the eggs is through IVF. So there's a higher miscarriage rate, there's a higher genetic abnormality rate, um, I got to tell you, a lot of the, you know, and I think that Hollywood and social media sometimes does a huge disservice. I can't tell you how many mm -hmm. times someone has mentioned a celebrity who's in that age group and said, well, they had a baby, so why yeah. can't I have a baby? And I'm thinking, you know what, I'm not their doctor, but I would suspect that they did an egg donor and that's why they're successful and they're, you know, they, they have the right to their privacy and uh, they, you know, we need to respect that, but you know, odds are pretty suggestive that a 48, 49, 50 year old uses egg donor that, that that's how they had their family. Now, the good news for, for my patients is that a, they deserve that information. So the one thing that I think bothers me a lot is that there's some fertility centers that if you're over 40, two or three, they didn't want to see you unless you want to do egg donor. I think in Michigan Center, in our practice, you know, if I was a woman, educate me. I want to know what my numbers are. I want to know what my stats are. And, and I think what we're finding is that once we educate couples about this information, some do want to try and we're mm -hmm. like, okay, here's an upward battle. But I think once they see what the numbers look like, they open their hearts, many of them to adoption, embryo donor, egg donor, and, and you can have a fabulous family. Yeah you know, doing an egg donor and the age cutoff for egg donor is your early 50s. So, you know, there's plenty of time to look fabulous and still have that family. You know, so I think hopefully you guys, this is what we're seeing is the trends uh, that we're seeing in our office for fertility. And, uh, you know, I'm just really grateful that you guys are listening to Dr. C and the D and, you know, Thank you for joining us. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Dr. C and the D so more women can listen and get this great information. Thank you. Hey, Jackie. Wisdom and Wellness Podcast is in partnership with the Michigan Center for Fertility and Women's Health. Yeah, and it's produced by Detroit Moms and researched by my mom, Dr. Kara Kowalczyk. 
The Wisdom and Wellness Podcast offers several other resources featuring Dr. Kowalczyk, including magazine Wisdom and Wellness. If you like what you've heard, tell your friends and please subscribe, rate, and review. Don't forget to check us out on the web at www.mifertility.com for more research and resources.